0: So our Bible reading this morning is Ezra, chapter three. When the seventh month came and the Israelites were in the towns, the people gathered together in Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, son of Jozadak with his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his kin, set out to build the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as prescribed in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set up the altar on its foundation because they were in dread of the neighboring peoples and they offered burnt offerings upon it to the Lord morning and evening. And they kept the festival of booths as prescribed and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the ordinance as required for each day. And after that, the regular burnt offerings the offerings at the new moon, and all the sacred festivals of the Lord, and the offerings of everyone who made a free well offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters, and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa, according to the grants that they had had from King Cyrus of Persia. In the second year after their arrival at the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month, Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel and Jeshua son of Zop- Jozadak made a beginning together with the rest of their people, the priests and the Levites and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity they appointed the Levites, from twenty years old and upward, to have the oversight of the work on the house of the Lord. And Jeshua and his sons and his kin, and Kadmiel and his sons, Binui and Hodaviah, along with the sons of Henadad, the Levites, their sons and kin, together they took charge of the workers in the house of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, The priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, according to the directions of King David of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house. Though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away.
1: Thank you, Simon. So next, it is my pleasure to reintroduce um, Mr. Lee Johnson, who will be our next speaker, um, leading our sermonette. Um, Lee, we look forward to listening to your words. And please, can I just remind folks to hold off um, any commenting um, in the chat until after the sermon. Thank you, thank you, Lee.
2: Thank you. It is really good to be with you. Um, thank you, Simon, for reading all those um, tricky words. I do appreciate that for sure. Um, the context of the chapter is the year is probably something around 537 BC. The place is Jerusalem. And some of the Jews have returned from a long captivity in Babylon. They've been away from their homes for maybe 50 or 60 years. And on return to their homeland, they have found that everything has changed. The countryside is in the hands of the enemy. The city lies in ruins. The walls have been broken down. And and probably worst of all, the temple of Solomon has been raised to the ground where the temple once stood, it is just rubble. So this is the world that um, Ezra steps into. This is the world that the children of Israel in the book of Ezra find themselves. A place of disorientation, a place of significant challenge and change. Since the um, start of COVID-19, I would suggest to you that our world has been a place of challenge and change in so many ways. We've had to deal with so much in the last 12 months, and and I guess many of us can um, identify with the word disorientated or disorientation. And even though it appears that we might now be starting to move out of this third lockdown, our lives aren't going to get back to anything like whatever normal might become for any time soon. And I guess most of us this year will have experienced a sense of of loss in some way, shape or form. And, and, And I'm assuming that that sense of loss is true in every part of our lives, including our church and our worship context my my wife Dawn is the pastor at Loughton Baptist Church as I as I said earlier and I remember our first zoom service at Loughton uh, must be nearly a year ago now it was um it was interesting I, I guess um it was um not probably our finest zoom moment um I remember it actually because of um, probably the um of the difficulties that we had um we were, we were all on Zoom together and we were all singing all unmuted with that awful delay that just doesn't work. I was playing the guitar, but Zoom thought that was a background noise and so you couldn't hear it. Dawn was singing and I was singing to try and help people. Um, but even there, um, she was near the microphone and was singing a harmony. So all we actually heard, I think, for everybody, was just Dawn singing this harmony in and out of the Zoom thing. We're slightly meta at it, I think, now, Zoom, across the board, aren't we? However, for me, um, in all the mess, um, that was a holy moment, because for me, in that moment, it was my act of worship. And I actually had a profound sense of God's presence in that moment. This this morning, I would like to suggest to us all that, um, that humankind, we as humankind, are created to be worshippers. Now, Dawn and I have discussed this recently, um, actually in relationship to the England cricket team. So I am a bit of a fan. And if you're a fan, you'll know that um, Test Match Cricket has been on terrestrial TV for the first time in many years. The problem is England are playing in India and it's like four o'clock in the morning. So we've had a conversation about, about that and it's um, I've discovered that I'm happy to watch England play cricket probably at any time of the day or, or the night. Um, I'm happy to read about them. I've got an app on my phone. I, I'm happy to listen to them on the radio and I appreciate that is itself a little acquired thing. But um, I'm also happy to wear clothing, subtly, you understand, um, to show my allegiance. Now, I actually think that whether I'm a worshipper of the England cricket team or not is, is kind of open to debate. And I'm, I'm confessing this to you this morning to make my point, I think, about humankind being a people who are created to worship. And the question that I'd like to, to pose this morning is. What are we worshipping? Psalm 147 says this, the Lord is pleased with those who worship him and trust his love. Worship then can be defined as bringing pleasure to God. Ezra chapter 3, I I would suggest to you, is a chapter that can teach us about worship. It speaks to us about about worship and describes the importance of of worshipping God. And this morning, as we consider some parts of this chapter, just for a few moments, in light of the restrictions and the limitations in which we find ourselves, I'd like to to ask the question, what does true worship actually look like? So three um, simple statements that we will consider very briefly this morning in relation to those things. The first thing I'd like to talk about is the priority of worship. Now, when the children of Israel returned to Babylon, I'm sure that they worked really hard at establishing their community again. And even though they began to get their lives back together, establishing worship was obviously a priority to them. In chapter two, verse 68, we, we see that they were giving free will offerings to the house of God. Chapter 3, verse 1 says they left their towns and, and gathered in Jerusalem to build an altar so that they could offer sacrifices to God. These people realized worship needed to be at the center of their community, whatever that community looked like. And today, we need to make sure that worship is a priority. Now, that's not about a building. It's not about a live stream or a Zoom call or or perhaps which room you you may find yourself in or whatever it might be. The, The priority of worship means bringing pleasure to God in every aspect of our lives. The priority of our lives should be the worship of God. And in the midst of COVID, in this time of lockdown, whatever comes next, whatever Boris may or may not say tomorrow, the priority of our lives should be true worship. We need to be a community that makes worship its priority. And in this quite strange world in which I guess we find ourselves, we need to be like the people in Ezra chapter 3 and put worship right in the center, making worship a priority, making pleasing God the thing that we are about. The second thing I see, and I'd like to highlight, is the principles of worship. In verses 10 and 11, we we find, I think, two principles. First of all, we, we see that the object of worship is God, and the content of worship is praise. You know, we can we can see in the text that the praise and worship was directed to the Lord and in the new international version which I which I did my prep from the Lord is mentioned five times and I noticed on the um, slide on the screen that, that the Lord was was bold and in, uh, which was which was really helpful and the truth is what our worship services consist of at the moment is is not much like um, perhaps it was a year ago for me, I, I, I think I miss congregational singing, probably most of all. However, I need to realize that that worship, whatever it looks like, is not for my benefit. And, and we all need to realize and know that worship is not for our benefit. Of course, as we worship, we find benefits. But, but the real reason we worship is for God. So instead of looking at our service of worship in terms of what's in it for me, we should be asking ourselves the question, how might I bring glory to God in this? The object of our worship is the Lord. Secondly, the the content of our worship is praise. Verses 10 and 11, we see this, this phrase, this refrain from Psalm 107, for he is good, his love endures forever. And this morning in our worship, we should have these words on our lips. You know, in the middle of this virus time, we should have these words on uh, on our lips. Through through the good times and the more challenging times, we should have these words on our lips. For he is good. His love endures forever. Life isn't normal at the moment. The reality is we, we don't know what's going to happen next week we certainly don't know what's going to it's going to look like next year if I'd have told you a year ago we'd be like this we would have thought no that's not can't be we don't know what's going to happen but I do know this God is good and his love for me endures forever you see this morning we can praise God because of who he is the content of our worship should be praised And thirdly, I'd like to to highlight the fact that as we worship, we see God's power. Worship has the power to change our lives. I hinted at the difficulty of Friday in um, in my little talk with um, Simon earlier. And to be honest with you, the past two weeks have been somewhat challenging. On Tuesday morning, I sat with someone um, and, and that person told me a story of abuse that's lasted for over 30 years. I'm moderating a church at the moment and in that church, over the past two weeks, two significant deaths have happened. One of the deacons has passed away through COVID and another person has has died um, who is married to a deacon. uh, Not not quite sure why at this moment in time. Now, I'm not telling you this because I think I'm special or because I've got more stuff to deal with. We've all got things that we are having to deal with. But on, on Friday morning, when I was starting to think through this, and even yesterday when I was uh, thinking through today, that phrase from Ezra chapter three actually helped to, to change my perspective. God is good and his love endures forever had an impact on me. It's had an impact on me these past few days. You know, in the children of Israel, Um, had that worship service that we read about verse 11 says that all the people gave a great shout of praise and in that moment out of that shout of praise God's power to transform was was with them now now the truth was that for those people life was still really difficult they were still trying to build community the enemy was still all around them the walls were still broken down they still had no temple however they knew in that moment that God was with them you know for us today coronavirus hasn't gone away since we started our worship service we're still in lockdown life is still strange for some of us life is still very very challenging however in the midst we can find God's transformational power as we worship him, our lives can be transformed as we come to him in worship. This this morning, I I hope that you can take these three things with you. I hope you can take away with you that that worshipping God should be your priority, that it is God that you worship, and the content of that worship His praise. And and I hope that you can see that as you truly worship God, his power can be at work in your life. God is good. His love endures forever. No matter what happens next, no matter what Boris says tomorrow, no matter what you're facing in your life at this moment, no matter what situation or circumstance you might um, find in your life in the rest of this year or in your future, along with the children of Israel in Ezra chapter 3. Remember this. God is good. His love endures.
1: Forever. Amen. Can I invite the panellists to uh, turn on, if they haven't already? Oh, they have. Hello, everybody. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, um, how... How did what Lee brought, um, brought before us um, make everyone make everyone feel? Um, and I guess kind of um, what does true worship look like to, to each of you? Don't all jump in at once. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll jump in if you want. Um,
3: I, uh, when I was jotting things down, I I like the concept, um, Lee, and thank you for your honesty about uh, kind of the initial Zoom meetings, I like the fact um, that mess can be worship um, and that when things go wrong that can be worship and, you know, we've all been in those Zoom meetings where where it has perhaps not being as professional as, as as one might say it might want but the, the sort of the concept that um, I, th- I think for me what worship is or can be is actually when it's real and I really like also the fact in the reading that you've got um, people who are happy and people who are sad and that there's a whole mixture of stuff going on there that, that people are actually being real um, and that you um, and um, and I think that we naturally want to criticise, you know, those people who are perhaps being a bit moany about things, you know, and but actually there's a recognition that that they were all feeling the need to say what they were saying about the changes that were happening to their worship, and that um, and I think we live in that kind of scenario now because there there is the loss of of things that we miss, you know, the going into the church and the, the things that the singing and the things that we 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 feel that is. The makes our worship and then we're having to get used to a new kind of worship that is bizarre and that for some people really difficult and I, I think that in all of that mess the understanding that God is um, good and his love endures forever in amongst the mess of you know the rubble of, uh, of, of things and the things that aren't perfect um, and the fact that transformation can still come from that um, I think brings comfort at the
1: moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just gonna jump in um, just quickly um, with some things from the chat. Um, Jeff has said, should we go back a step? What is worship? What are its drivers? And yes, what are we worshiping? Um, Kind of whatever worship is, which was really interesting. Um, Jeff has also said that Lee seems to have a particular understanding of the nature of God and assumes that that understanding is universal within our congregation. Jeff isn't sure if he can relate to that particular model of God, but I think that's the beauty of our congregation, um, isn't it? In that we all come with different um, different perspectives um, and different manners in which we see God um, and how and how we how we worship God. I
0: think I was very struck by um, the word uh, that Lee used about disorientation. Uh, I think that that's really been the word for the last year for for so many of us. Um, And it just kind of um, rung a chord in my mind because um, there's this way of thinking about um, the Psalms but also other parts of uh, particularly the Old Testament which have this sort of rhythm of a move from orientation into disorientation and then into new orientation. And you can see it in some of the Psalms. And I, I think we've got an element of that going on here. There was a time of orientation where everybody knew what was what and where God was, and God was in his temple. And then there's this huge period of disorientation where you know God is no longer where God was once found to be. And we've there's been this terrible experience of exile and they're just trying to begin to find some meaning in it and rebuild something. And I think that the really important thing for me in this is that uh, the new orientation that is achieved is not a return back to disorientation. You know, I mean, there's this cliched phrase we've been using a lot this year about what will the new normal be like? But I think there's something important in that, because what that's saying is whatever the new orientation is, it's not the same as the old orientation. We're we're not going back here. Uh, We might be building something new. but, But the new needs to encompass and and embrace the period of disorientation. We can't just kind of wipe it out and pretend it never happened. It's part of us now and it has changed us and whatever we settle to in in the future will not be the same as that which we were before the disorientation happened.
1: Yeah I, I completely agree Simon and I actually I really like um I really like that word of orientation. I think it kind of it makes me think of university and kind of you know you have an orientation week and you get settled but I think as a lexeme um it's really good to use in place of like you said the kind of the, the term people have coined of new normal because you're right we're going to go back to an orientation where we have to orient ourselves again or orientate ourselves again um like you said into what into what our environment and society will look like. Um, Tim and Dermot, I've seen lots of nodding and smiling, um, do you both have anything that you would like to add?
4: A couple of thoughts. Again, I was very struck in the reading from Ezra that the joyful shouting of praise was mingled with cries of lament and the, uh, the indistinguishable nature of, the, of the, the two sounds, melding or, or blending as one, and the fact that people can experience the same thing but interpret it very, very differently, and uh, and yet oh, the cries of joy and the cries of lament rose as one before God, and I just there was something about like that that moved me very deeply, and I thought God is comfortable with the idea of expressing whatever it is we find on our hearts to express, be it joy, be it sorrow, be it lament, be it whatever, and. Um, but it, to make, give a, a legitimacy to people being allowed to interpret events differently and 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 and, and see it from different perspectives, as opposed to being joyful as good and being sad as wrong, the, the, that's not the human condition. It's not the Christian's big experience of life. Um, and fact, the question about true worship, I really enjoyed that question, uh, Jess, because I find myself thinking, for me, true worship is about giving yourself completely heart, soul, mind, emotion, body to God in in a response that says yes to God, in a response that says that ultimately, no matter what happens in life, I believe that God is good and God's love endures forever. And and that to me is what what true worship is, a a giving of oneself completely. Uh, And I I think it's a, a therapeutic thing for us as well as being uh, a giving of oneself, I think it's uh, I think it's a therapeutic.
1: Anyway, enough. No, no, it's definitely, definitely that, that makes so much sense. Um, Veronica um, said in the chat that what struck her most about the reading was that amongst the rejoicing, um, as you were saying, the new temple foundations being laid, there were older people who remembered the first temple and were weeping for it. When we have great change in our lives, it is valid to lament for what was lost. In the midst of rejoicing for the new start which Veronica thank you that's that's also really really powerful um then Ian said lament is a key element in being real in worship this is reflected in reading there were those who were in pain and expressed this this is a strong element in the Psalms the opportunity to raise our pain as part of worship where there is no that when where there is no space for that worship stops being real, sorry, where there is no space for that worship stops being real. In a time of disorientation, it's part of the necessary process that allows us to be real. And Veronica's added saying that she thinks lament gets lost in an atmosphere of rejoice in the Lord always. Um, yeah, so really, really interesting. There's also a, a discussion from from Caroline about. Um, about the language that we use to um to talk about God um, and it's one of I was actually talking about this with Simon last week and that our um my coming to Bloomsbury um and worship worshiping there um has been so kind of um kind of strengthened and empowered by the choice of us to try and kind of um kind of take a a different stance on the gendered language that's used when when worshipping the Lord. Um, and so moving away from, from God as male and kind of um, encouraging ourselves as a congregation to contemplate um, God's gender as other or God's gender as female and um, to kind of really, um, really embrace uh, all people within, within our congregation. Um, but yeah, lot, lots of really... Um, really powerful discussions. Um, Does anyone else have anything, um, any of the panelists that they'd like to add? Can can I just say something
3: very briefly, just about what you said, Uh, because I was reading that discussion about language to do with God and and God as male. And I I think that it's really important, actually, that we recognise that um, that is, that's almost an example of, of uh, true worship, the, the ability to say that that is problematic and that is painful, and that too much damage has been done, and so I think that that discussion is part of our worship today, to 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 actually say that that is difficult, but also that that the lament that some people are going to struggle with that, and some people, you know. Are going to struggle with changing their language because it's just you know kind of the, the, the historic thing and I think that that is all part of, of of us being real and open and and just uh recognizing that that we don't all get it right but that also that there is pain and hurt there and that we need to try and work towards something new and transformational and different.
1: Yeah thank thank you so much Liz um for your words that was um, that was like a really clear and really kind of um empowering statement on on like you said what what we are doing today you know kind of coming before god and um and looking at maybe what what hasn't um been like sorry what what has been painful for people um and kind of moving through that pain and, and like you said the, the lament of, of others when we move forward in in our language um and, and just uh, nigel has said um that he really liked what Lee had said about the enduring love of god a love that stays no matter what the circumstances and that that can be a, a reminder um a reminder for for us um you know obviously dur- during these difficult times um so yeah has anyone got um just because this this discussion has been fascinating and, and really engaging and i'm aware that we could probably talk about it for um, for many more minutes,
0: um, but yes. I, I, wonder, I wonder if I could just take us back yeah. to the, um, the the thing about worship here, and I really loved the thing Lee said about there being a profound sense of God's presence in that moment. Was the phrase I wrote down, and you know I, I've spoken about the, this this in other places, and this has been part of our conversation we've been having as a church about renewing our congregational life as as part of our sort of planning for the future, and. I, I just have this longing in myself that in worship, I have, well, he, he, Lee said it, a profound sense of God's presence in that moment. And for all of the other stuff, you know, we sometimes think worship is about which type of songs do you like, or, you know, uh, but actually it's not really, is it? It, it? It's about meeting God and encountering the living God by God's Spirit in that moment. And I, I long for that each time I come for worship. And I'm really grateful that that has been raised for us by Lee so helpfully this morning.
1: Yeah, thank you.
4: Just because I've been asked to be on the panel. So I I really appreciate A, what Lee
2: uh, brought to us. Thank you very much, Lee. I really appreciate these discussions. I think that they're so valuable and even what everybody has written in the chat. Um, And the sense of, Relentless disorientation over the past 11 months, um, the change and the challenge. I love those words that you brought to us, Lee. Thank you. Um, holy moment in the mess. Uh, so, you know, knowing that God is in the mess and maybe that's where we need to meet God. And just loved you reminding us uh, that God is good, um, God's love endures forever. Um, and to hope and expect God's power to meet us. Um, and our lives be transformed in in this so um, yeah just really encouraged
4: to, to keep going and thank you very much
1: yeah thank thank you again lee um you've definitely brought um brought uh some really um you've brought out some really interesting dialogue between us all um yeah any sorry i'm just going to briefly go back to the chat and see if anyone else has commented yeah so um yeah really really interesting um really interesting words Lee that we can that we can be left with to to contemplate over over the, the coming months really with with the um with the challenges and the changes um and yeah I think what a but an excellent passage to choose to really address um, the 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 difference that, that our homeland, whatever that may be, um, the difference that will come um, as more vaccines are rolled out and the curve continues to to decrease. Um, I'm just conscious of time. Do we have any more time for any more input? No. Okay, Um, brilliant. Well, thank you um, to all the panelists. Thank you again to Lee. And now I will invite Liz to bring us today's prayers of intercession. Thank you, Liz.
3: Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, giver of new life, bringer of resurrection hope. We pray for a world where things are far from perfect. We recognise that across our globe there is always war, division, hatred and fear. We pray for those now caught up in conflict, for refugees, those fleeing from their homes, those trapped and unable to flee. We pray for those who are victims of natural disasters, those who are facing the impact of climate change and who are struggling to survive in the face of increased flooding and unpredictable weather patterns. We bring before you now in the silence, those countries, individuals and circumstances, and we remember. We pray for peace and for reconciliation. We pray that you will be with leaders, governments, and policymakers. We pray for wisdom and compassion, that the most vulnerable will not be forgotten. And we recognize that during this pandemic, our health and the health of those we love is never far from our minds. We pray for those who are struggling with illness, for those in hospital, and those alone at home for those living with poor mental health, and those who feel overwhelmed by loneliness and isolation. And we especially pray for those who have lost loved ones, for those who mourn. We bring before you now in the silence those individuals and circumstances, and we remember. Thank you that you love us all and never leave us, even when we're unable to believe or feel this. You are with us in the midst of pain and sorrow. Help us to recognize you in those moments of goodness. Help us to see you in others and in those small, small expression of love that we often miss. And so we thank you for all those individuals and agencies that work so hard across the globe to save others to sustain those struggling and to bring life. We pray for those in our own country, for key workers, the NHS, and all those who are so often forgotten in jobs that are rarely applauded, that have kept us going this past year. We remember those who have recently lost their jobs or fear that they will soon lose their jobs. And we pray for the children and young people who have struggled to continue to learn and for parents and teachers that have struggled to continue to try and teach. We bring before you now in the silence those individuals and circumstances, and we remember. And as our government discusses its roadmap for exiting lockdown, we pray that those who need to be heard will be heard. We pray that in this very complex situation, the needs of all will be considered. Grant our government wisdom and clarity. And as we come to the end of the service, we pray for ourselves also, for the disorientation we feel. We recognise those little losses, maybe that seem so insignificant. The ability to meet friends, the birthdays gone unmarked, the hugs missed the grandparents desperate to see new grandchildren, the theatre shows cancelled, the celebrations put on hold. We ask that you will grant us patience and empathy, but also self-compassion. We bring ourselves before you now, just as we are, with the mixture of feelings that make us who we are, the happiness we have felt this past week, alongside the sadness we have felt the excitement we may hold for the future alongside the fear of what is to come. We ask that you will help us find the peace and hope we need to not only get through this next week, but to live life, life in all its fullness and be the very best we we can be, whatever that means for each of us, however small. We ask that you will help us to worship you, really worship just as we are we dare to trust in your resurrection power we dare to hope in the new life that you give again and again and again and we smile at this wonderfully diverse community we are a part of thank you for it as a community we hold each other up help us to gather strength from each other and live in your resurrection power power that changes lives again, and again, and again. In
1: Jesus' name, amen. Um, And so we shall end our service with a blessing. Having journeyed through worship together in God and Christ today, may we walk out into the coming weeks endowed with the courage and strength to face whatever obstacles that may come before us. May Jesus clothe us all in comfort and grace, and hold our hands as we journey through any tribulations. For God is good, and God's love endures. In the name of God the parent, Jesus the sibling, and in the ever-equal and all-loving Holy Spirit.
3: Amen.